Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you to all of our homes. We welcome you to every place that any person is connecting with this feed. God, we believe in the power of your Holy Spirit, and we believe that your Holy Spirit is not contained. God, that you have left the building, that you are a God who is amongst us and is in our midst, that that energy that we heard talked about in that video, that your, your life-giving energy is with us. And God, some of us desperately need that life-giving energy in our life right now. So meet us where we're at. God, I especially want to pray today for the faculty and the staff and the students and the families of Sheridan School, the place where we normally are, are able to worship. Their hospitality has been so incredible. And God, as the official announcement this week that the kids will not go back to face-to-face uh, -face learning, God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of these kids and these families. God, give energy to the teachers uh, for Sheridan and many other educators who are figuring out how to, to turn the online education into the long haul. God, we pray for your energy. God, would you be with those folks who are leading and would you be with those kids? We care so deeply about them. Meet their needs, God. We ask, God, that you'd speak to us this morning through your word, this, this story of yours that we see, this beginning of the church in the book of Acts. God, we pray that you would just speak to each one of us specifically, but also to us as a whole, as a community. May we hear your Holy Spirit together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the acts of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the Holy Spirit. We intentionally are calling this conversation the Acts of the Holy Spirit about the book of Acts because typically when people refer to the Acts of the Holy Spirit or to the book of Acts, they're actually saying the Acts of the Apostles. So these folks who are the beginning, the early leaders of the church, we often call the Apostles. Okay, so, so we would love to say, hey, let's focus on the Acts of the Holy Spirit in this book. The Holy Spirit is directly mentioned over 50 times in just the book of Acts, in just those chapters. But I would suggest that if you pay attention, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit is actually woven throughout almost every aspect of this story. And you'll see that this reality of the Holy Spirit coming in people's lives uh, makes a huge difference. And so today I want to pose this question, how do we follow the Spirit in the midst of our disrupted lives? What does discernment from the Holy Spirit look like in the midst of disruption? How do we follow the Spirit in the midst of our disrupted lives. I don't know about you, but this is a question that feels very tangible to me right now. This feels very realistic. My life feels very disrupted. And I wonder what does it look like to discern from the Holy Spirit in this time? What we recognize has happened when we look at the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit leads the church in some ways that are really unique. And one of the things that happens is that the church is scattered. The church is scattered because of the significant disruption that happens in their life. And here we are right now, a part of the scattered church. We decided months ago that we were going to teach through the entire New Testament this year. And it's just now that we happen to be on the book of Acts, which is all about the scattered church. And the reason that the church is scattered in the book of Acts is because of disruption. Because of disruption. There's really no other way to look at it. Uh, the first disruption that I think is maybe most important to pay attention to is just Jesus as disruption. Jesus disrupted their lives. Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, and then resurrection and the time he spent with them, if you ask me, is a total disruption. I mean, did you hear that in the video? He pulls like an Aslan and just like breathes on them, like breathing the Holy Spirit. I don't know. That would have just been so weird if you ask me. And they're trying to respond to Jesus as he's doing these really interesting things. And he, he breathes on them, right? The Holy Spirit, this energy, this power. And he says, now go and wait, as we talked about last week, wait for my spirit to come. And I just see Jesus as a disruptor. Here's the last thing that Jesus says to them. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, remember the part in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, remember that part for a second. So this is a pretty big disruption that Jesus is saying to them. He's coming to them and saying, you are now going to be witnesses. I'm going to leave. I'm going to send the form of my Trinitarian self, which they didn't understand any better than us, I bet, to come and be with you, to lead you, to guide you in this time. And then we see the church begin to scatter. But there was a second disruption. Actually, there was many disruptions. But the, the, the two I want to talk about right now is Jesus' disruption and then persecution as disruption. Persecution as disruption. The, the, the people of God at this time are experiencing people who are not okay with what it means for them to be Jesus followers. They're experiencing this persecution from Rome. They're experiencing it from some of the, the religious leaders at that time. Um, and without getting into all the details, one important detail is that at one point, one of their leaders, Stephen, is actually stoned right in front of them. He's killed. He's murdered. Talk about a terrible disruption in their lives. And then I just want to point out what it says here, okay? So uh, I'll read a little bit more of the actual text to you, but, but look at what it says here on the screens. First of all, in, in Acts 8. On that day, great persecution, what I just talked about, broke out against the church, and it's the day that Stephen died. On, the day, on that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. Where were they scattered? Throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Of course, we find out later about Saul being this leader that persecuted that later becomes Paul, a very important leader in the church, as you'll see as we continue on in the rest of the New Testament. But notice here that it's because of this disruption, <laughs> it's because of this persecution that God did not cause, but God uses to scatter the church into the very places that Jesus told them that they were to go, into all of Judea and Samaria, and then, honestly, as you follow the story, into the ends of the earth, and they continue on from that place. Let me look at one more place where we see this disruption, and uh, it would be in Acts 11. We see the disruption in Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered, there it is again, by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So while I could read many other stories like this, what I want to point out today is that the Holy Spirit, here's it, here's my line for you. The Holy Spirit used disruption to lead the church to scatter to Judea, Samaria, and eventually the ends of the earth. I don't believe personally that the Holy Spirit caused any of those negative things that happened, but the Holy Spirit power used those things to scatter the church and to lead to what, I mean, honestly, why we're even here today. That was the beginning of this movement, this messy movement of people trying to follow the Holy Spirit that we now call the church. And so here we go. We've got these, this interesting story. And what I want to point out here today is that this brings up this question, I think, for all of us. And that is, how might the Spirit use this disruption that we're experiencing to lead the church? And not just the church, but you and me as people of the church, as Jesus followers, how might the spirit use this disruption that we are experiencing to lead the church? I think it brings up two sub questions that maybe help us frame this. How do we discern what God is up to in the midst of disruption? 
And then how do we actually follow the spirit? What does it look like to actually do that? And so I want to talk a little bit today. And then in a few minutes, Mike's going to come. We're going to share some stories. I think stories are one of the best ways for us to get our heads around a concept that's sometimes in t in not very tangible and kind of difficult for us. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, let's just look. I'm going to do a flyover, okay? This is my, this is my thought. Uh, we've only got three weeks. We're talking about the book of Acts. So let's do a flyover of what it looks like for people to listen to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. What are just a few places that we see people trying to figure out how do we listen to this Holy Spirit in the midst of disruption? How do we follow the Holy Spirit in the midst of disruption? So I'll just put a few of these up here on the screen. I'm just going to go through them quickly. But think about some of the, some of you have been reading this. Think about these stories and try to notice if you see a theme in what's happening. Do you see a theme in how people are responding to the Holy Spirit? So in Acts 10 and 11, the Spirit gives a vision and the group together discerns and then they immediately go to Cornelius' house. In Acts 13, they're in a worship time. They're in a time of worship and fasting and they're worshiping and the Holy Spirit speaks to them, it says. We don't know if it was audible. We don't know what happened. But what do they do? They respond and they send some leaders on a journey to Cyprus. Acts 15 is where we get a phrase that some of you might have heard before. And they, the people say, it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit, which kind of gives us a clue that it's not always that clear. It's sometimes a little bit messy. It's a little bit blurry for us. But they said together, they discerned, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And then they right away, they sent off people to welcome in Gentile believers in Antioch, which was a huge deal for them to do that. And then Acts 16 just another place to look at this. The spirit of Jesus keeps them from going into certain places. If you've ever read Acts 16 before, it's a little bit confusing. It says, well, we tried to go to this spot, Mysia, and then we couldn't get there. We couldn't go because the spirit of Jesus didn't let us. I don't know exactly what that meant. That's just what we hear in the text. But then they keep going. They don't say they sit down and say, well, I guess we don't know where to go. They just keep going. And it says that the spirit gives them a vision and the group discerns that they should go to Macedonia. And what do they do? They go right away to Macedonia. Okay, so what do we notice in this flyover? I noticed three themes of steps that people are taking when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit and discerning the Holy Spirit. And I think these are the same steps that we can take in our lives. First of all, step one, actually look for acts of the Holy Spirit. That might be the first one for so many of us. There's a lot going on. There's a lot coming at us. Are we saying to God's spirit, we want to see you move. We want to hear your voice. As, as difficult as that is and as messy and unclear as that can be, are we looking for acts of the Holy Spirit? And so we notice that they are paying attention. They're expecting the Holy Spirit to move. And then they bring it to community. Almost every time you see the community engaging around what they think the Holy Spirit might, doing, might be doing, and then they go from there. Sometimes it's the whole group, but sometimes it's just a few people. Right now, as we're trying to discern things in our life, it might be realistic for you to say, what are one or two people that might be a clearness committee or a group of folks who might come around? That's, that's the term that Parker Palmer uses for it. Um, but just like a discernment group that might help me say, was that God speaking to me? Or is this thing that I'm feeling from God? They bring it to community. And then third, they make a move of faith. Every time they make a move of faith. Uh, there's sometimes some discussion. There's sometimes some confusion. There's even sometimes disagreement. But you know what happens every time? People say, well, let's make a move and see what happens. Let's start going in a direction and see what we find out. And God continues to lead them through their movement. Discernment by movement is what I sometimes call it. Because we can easily get stalled and just say, well, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure if it's God. Yeah, we're never going to be totally certain it's God. But can we welcome God's spirit into our lives so we can have more and more assurance 
that God really does want to speak to us and really wants to be with us in our lives. So this brings me to our question for the rest of the time, and that is, what does hearing from the Holy Spirit or seeing the Holy Spirit move look like today? I actually posed this question on Facebook and I got a lot of great answers. And so I'm gonna share a few of those with you and then Mike's gonna talk a little bit about what this looks like in his life. And then uh, I think that we'll tell you some stories because I like telling stories, don't you Mike? Yes. Yeah, Let's tell some stories. Okay, so here's just my crowdsource, all right? Here's my crowdsource of what does hearing from the Spirit or seeing the Spirit move look like today, all right? I heard people say, and I resonate with a lot of these things, it feels like there's maybe like a reoccurring theme or a pattern that keeps coming up in my life. And even if I try to ignore it, this theme or this pattern keeps coming up in what people are saying and what I'm reading in the Bible and what I'm hearing, maybe even in something I see in art or in nature. People said that there's times when scripture, they're reading scripture like normal or they're trying to do this Bible reading plan that we're doing and it's like something just jumps off the page or a certain Bible story, they just feel like they, uh, that it comes alive in a way that they haven't experienced and there's something in that that God might be trying to say something to them. There's many people, myself included, who sometimes get like a picture of something and I don't even always know what that picture is, but I ask God, why are you showing me this vision, this picture? What does it mean? Is it something I'm supposed to share with somebody? Is it just something you're trying to say to me? And I can bring that to other people in my life and wonder about that. I know some of you who have experienced like a dream in the middle of the night and woken up and said, that didn't seem like it was just a normal dream. I wonder if the Holy Spirit might be saying something to me through that. Other people say that it feels like there's something that comes into my mind and it's not something that I would normally think. It just really feels like it's coming from, from someplace else. And I wonder, is this God saying something to me? Because this is not the conclusion that I would come to if it was left to my own imagination or my own thoughts. Sometimes people talk about how God uses their emotions, which I totally think is true. God uses our emotions to give us a sense of, of a deep feeling about something that we almost can't shake. And then we wonder, is this the Holy Spirit saying something to me or impressing something on my heart? Sometimes it's a, a, a joyful emotion or sadness, but it's this depth of emotion that feels like it might be something bigger than you. Sometimes people have just a physical sensation. Um, I know many of you who have this experience where you might feel a sense of physical heaviness and you, you feel like, look, every time I feel this heaviness, there's something that God's trying to say to me and I need to slow down and listen. Um, some people talk about their heart racing in a different way and feeling like, well, I don't know, I haven't been running, so why is my heart racing? Um, some people get just a physical sensation like um, their hands will get warm or their neck will get warm. And I'm telling you, this is people who I love and trust and have seen God speak to them by getting their attention through physical sensations in their body. It totally happens. Other people will talk about having uh, other folks in their life who will speak into their life and say, hey, I had this picture, or I had this word, and I wanted to share it with you. And then one other example that people gave often is just that it seemed like there was almost like a supernatural door either closed or opened. And it didn't necessarily mean it was what God was doing, but it definitely got their attention. Why is this door seeming wide open that before was just closed? Or why does it seem like this is what I really want, but the door keeps being closed? Do I need to pray about that more? Or is God trying to say something to me through that? Um, and sometimes the timing of that just feels like, I wonder if this is God's spirit. So maybe in all of those, you'll notice it's not super clear cut, is it? There is a sense of mystery around listening to the Holy Spirit. But if we start to pay attention to that energy, as was talked about in the video, in our life, 
I do think that muscle of listening to the spirit becomes stronger and stronger and we can listen and respond. So I'm going to have Mike share uh, a story and then we're just going to share some stories back and forth to just give us a sense of what does this look like in the life of our church? What does this look like in our individual lives to just help you be thinking about the question, what does it look like for you to be seeing the spirit move or hearing the spirit in your life right now? So think about that as we tell these stories. What story would you want to start off with, Mike? Well, I was just going to say that I think it's easy right now to go through a regular day, just think of an average day, and not pay attention at all yeah. to what God might be saying to us. Yeah. And so as Steph said a minute ago, basic discernment could be translated into just paying attention. You know, going through your day, expecting that God wants to speak to you, wants to lead you, wants to guide you. And uh, there's a theology here that's really important. We're assuming that God is working all the time in our lives, not just when we're doing church or not just when we're gathered together on Sundays, but every moment of every day. So paying attention every day is the beginning of, of noticing where God might be wanting to get your attention. And the other assumption here is that God's not trying to trick you. God's right. not trying to make it real hard. <laughs> it's not like you have to get through the maze to figure out that God actually wants you to understand <laughs> what God might be saying to you. So as we start paying attention, we're assuming we have a, a dad, a father who wants us to know mm. what's going on. Yeah. And so that's kind of a starting place. I was thinking just last Sunday, okay, I gave a sermon um, on how we might be led to be paying attention to people in our lives that might be experiencing loneliness right now. That was one of the applications of the sermon. My wife and I last Sunday afternoon were doing some work around our house uh, and I pop out of the, the back door and there standing in my backyard is a woman who lives on our street who we've been connected to for years um, who lives by herself. And she literally says to me, I'm experiencing loneliness right now. Wow. And so immediately I just came back to, you know, this message that God gave to all of us together, sort of listening to my own sermon and saying, <laughs> wow, this is it. This is God's invitation to connect with someone who's, who's feeling alone right now. So I got to, to stand and talk to her for a while and encourage her. And she was asking for me to remind her quite literally, that Jesus was with her wow. in this time, which was pretty amazing application of that moment. Two other just really quick examples of kind of everyday discernment. I've got a friend, Elizabeth, who has the uncanny ability to text me <laughs> and say, I was praying for you, and it seems like maybe something's going on. Just checking on you, letting you know I care about you. Let me know if I can help you. She lives halfway across the country. It's scary how <laughs> consistent she is at shooting those texts to me at times when I really need her friendship or her support. And it also is evidence that she's consistently praying and listening yeah. for me on my behalf. Another quick example, and maybe you've had this experience, is when you're paying attention, you feel your heart drawn to give of yourself to something that pops up. That, and right now, that could be uh, a little bit of money that you have that you could go to support things that need to, to happen, to encourage other people and provide. Could be giving time, could be giving any resource you have where you really feel like I almost can't not do this right now. I, I need to do this. It's something that God has put on my heart to do. And when you're paying attention, you realize that's the Holy Spirit leading you. Yeah. So those are a few examples. Steph and I are going to tell a few stories that are a little bit bigger. They're more communal. Uh, some of them connected, all of them connected to the history of, of Mill City Church. And the first one we're gonna, that I'm going to tell is about when Mill City Church started as a disruption, really. Uh, thinking about 
2008, and those of you who helped us start Mill City Church will remember this. Well, it was kind of a difficult time to start a new church since we had a massive financial crisis <laughs> in 2008. Great time to be <laughs> fundraising for a new church. Um, and in the midst of that whole disruption to all of our lives who are living here in the United States, God invited us to help form a new community mm -hmm. called Mill City Church. And in the midst of all that uncertainty, there were these really clear leadings from the Holy Spirit. Some of them were um, supernatural, like people having dreams, feeling drawn to Northeast Minneapolis. Others were very ordinary, like how can I afford to live? Uh, is there a space that I can afford to live in Northeast Minneapolis with this community of people who really wants to start a church with and for the people of Northeast Minneapolis? Some was us stepping into things and learning that uh, by doing, by, by serving, by trying to give in Northeast Minneapolis, realizing we needed to build a lot more strong relationships if we really wanted to be part of the fabric of Northeast Minneapolis. And by serving and connecting with people, we realized that that relationship building was so critical because people are skeptical of new people in Northeast <laughs> Minneapolis. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we've got an article that comes out in the Northeaster about Mill City Church stepping up in this disruption, in this time, uh, as a trusted church uh, member of the neighborhood that um, has proven itself. And yeah. people know, love Northeast Minneapolis in the name of Jesus. And, and now we have an opportunity to serve that we didn't necessarily have when we began in 2008. So that was one place where God just clearly led us over and over and again. And people, we all stepped into it, even though it was a bizarre time of life in the country and so many things were uncertain. We just kept taking the next step. And, and now looking back, we can see the amazing things that God had planned. Yeah, absolutely. I remember back towards the beginning where we were just realizing, hey, we're a small group of people. We don't really know what we're doing, <laughs> to be honest. And so how do we come and love this community? And our first question was, what, what's God already doing in Northeast Minneapolis? And so we kind of made a commitment, hey, at the beginning here, we're not going to start anything new. Let's just join in what's already happening. Well, then we looked at what was happening. A lot was happening. How do we know what the Holy Spirit is actually asking us to join in? And so one of the things we heard in the time of prayer was, I think we need to wait for people to invite us. And so what we did, we were looking for a place to worship. We found Sheridan. They were gracious enough to host us after a little bit of convincing. Um, and then we just said to them, you let us know how we can support you. Uh, we then just prayed about how of all the different areas in the, in the community, how might we join in with what God's already doing? And we had uh, two other specific partners, I, I mean, literally pop up where they came to ask us, hey, would you be willing to join in? One of those was the Little Kitchen Food Shelf, which we're still serving today. Thank you for those of you who have been serving faithfully every Tuesday night to do that, continuing in this important time. Um, but there was just this clear sense, oh, oh, this is the answer to that prayer that we had of what is, how are we being invited? Um, so another interesting way that we got one of our partners was Claire Housing. Uh, Claire Housing is a home for people with HIV AIDS who are below the poverty level who need to be housed in order to have their medication and to stay, uh, to stay as healthy as possible. And especially right now, we've continued to support them during this important time because those folks need to stay home and stay safe. And uh, we just got a phone call one day from the volunteer coordinator at Claire Housing and they said, hey, we heard that you might be willing to help us to support our residents at Claire Housing. We'd never heard of them before. We didn't know what they did. 
And we said, well, why did you hear that and where did you hear that? Well, they had heard it from one of the editors at the Northeaster, the, the magazine that we just talked about, the newspaper, local newspaper that Mike just mentioned. Why they suggested us, I'm not totally sure. Um, they had done a feature on a few new churches, um, but they said, oh, we think that that Mill City Church, I mean, that group of small group of people could help. And we ended up at one point buying 70 crockpots for the residents and all this stuff that went down. But it was this real sense of the Holy Spirit is giving us this green light. Like this is the group that we're supposed to partner with. And here we are. Um, all these years later, 12 years later, still partnering with Sheridan School, with Claire Housing and the Little Kitchen Food Shelf, I'd say because of clear invitations from the Holy Spirit that we discerned together and responded to be able to step into that. Another one of those partners now is called the Sheridan Story. But when we first started meeting at Sheridan, we kind of got invited, invited ourselves sort of onto this group called the Site Council that helps provide leadership to the school, Sheridan School, where we, where we worship when we're allowed to worship there. And I was at one of these meetings, a site council meeting, where they're going through the agenda. And as a community, as a small new church community, we were praying the same prayer that Stephanie just described, which is, God, show us where it is you want us to invest. Show us how we can join the work that you're already doing. And when we're telling these stories now, looking back on them, it's easy to see. When yeah. you're in the middle of it, though, and you're waiting for God to answer that, it can be excruciating yeah. to say, did we, did we miss it? Are we supposed to be doing something else? Like, how long do we wait here before something happens? Those are all very common and difficult questions in the midst of discerning things. So we were, we were in this space as a community, and I happened to be the one at the site council meeting. And after the site council meeting, the principal came and talked to me. And we had kind of a, a rocky relationship at this point. The school wasn't sure about having a church in yeah. their space. And so uh, to make the longer story short, the, the principal says, we have some kids who are stealing food from the cafeteria on Fridays. And I know you guys are motivated to help serve this school. Is there anything the church could do about that problem. And outside, I was hopefully keeping a relatively calm looking face <laughs> to the to the principal and saying, yeah, I think we could look into that. Yeah. Let me talk to some people inside. I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> this is how God wants us to join in with this school. It's starting to make sense now, you know, so uh, go back to our, our team and share that that question. And, and then people like Jenny Kanan and Rob Williams and so many others went to work figuring out how do we actually feed a kindergarten class full of, full of kids on the weekend? How do we feed two kindergarten classes? How do we feed half a school? How do we feed a whole school? Uh, and now Rob Williams is the executive director of an, or, an organization called The Sheridan Story that is in this very moment right now sending millions of dollars of meals to kids in hundreds of schools across the Twin Cities. Sheridan's story, um, you can look them up if you'd like to support their work right now, they would appreciate it. But all of that came from a group of people waiting to hear direction from the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit had planned for that organization to exist way beyond before 2008 for just such a time as right now when Kids desperately need food because they're not in school. And we just happen to get to be part of that amazing story as Mill City Church. Yeah, absolutely. I just love thinking about how it, all of those stories follow this exact model. We were looking for the Holy Spirit. 
we brought it to a group of people, and then we just started moving, even though we didn't really know what we were doing. Mm. Uh, the last story I wanted to mention was a few years ago, some of you know, when we uh, found out on a Friday that we couldn't worship at Sheridan on a Sunday. I'm not talking about two months ago. That also happened on a Friday where we found out we couldn't <laughs> worship on a Sunday. But it was a few years ago now. And we ended up worshiping in a, we ended up worshiping in a different school for a while. But I'll tell you the short version of a very long story is that because of that disruption and the fact that we ended up worshiping in a new school and having this new experience, uh, we, I think that is really the beginning of why we ended up helping support the church plant that many of you know about, North City Church. And here, North City Church has started a new church. They just turned one years old officially on April 1st. And here they are starting a new church in a recess, recession again, 12 years ago in 2008. Um, God is doing something in the midst of this disruption. God is doing something in our lives. And I don't know for sure what it is that God's going to do in your life or in my life or in the life of Mill City Church or North City Church. But what I do know is this. God moves in the midst of disruption. And the question is, will we join in? God moves in the midst of disruption and uses disruption. Will we join in? Will we be paying attention for acts of the Holy Spirit? Will we bring what we notice to other people? And will we make bold moves of faith towards what God might be leading us to? I'll tell you that we are praying about what this looks like for Mill City Church. We're praying about what it means for us as a team of leaders on staff, our leadership team. But every one of you, listen for what God might be saying to our church community. Here's my final re reflection questions for you. Um, maybe even write these down if you can. Three questions to take with you just to reflect on as we continue to think about what it looks like to look for acts of the Holy Spirit. What does noticing the Spirit look like in your life? As I gave all those different examples, did one of them resonate with you? Or maybe you had an additional way you'd answer that question. Or perhaps you just really don't know the answer to that question. That is okay. This is a great time to discover what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to get your attention, to tap you on the shoulder. The second question is, how is the Spirit inviting you to join in? To join in what the Spirit is doing in your family, in your home, uh, amongst your roommates? What is the Holy Spirit doing to invite you to join into this crisis that we're facing? How is the Holy Spirit inviting you to join into the spiritual formation that God wants to do in your life? I really believe that no matter what happens through all of this, one of the things that God is calling us to is not necessarily to be a church that is more people, but to be a church that is more mature in our relationship with Jesus. I would love for there to be more people, but not if we're not people who are also saying, Jesus, help me join in the work you're doing in my life to become a more devoted follower of Jesus, to become somebody who has more of a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit, where I say, Holy Spirit, I want to follow you in my life. And then the final question, how is the Spirit inviting Mill City Church to join in? God may speak to you about that. Let us know. Send an email to the leadership team, just leadership team at, email, uh, leadership team at millcitychurch.com. God has spoken to so many of you before about the future of our church. We believe that the future of Mill City Church is amongst you, amongst us as a people, that God speaks to us as a community. And we will look for the actions of the Holy Spirit. We will discern that together, and then we will join in. Let me pray before we go into our final time of worship and communion. Jesus, we are your people. We want to follow your lead, but we come to you in a time right now where with the anxiety and the many things that we're facing, it's hard to hear from you. It's hard to see you move. Help us. Open up our ears to hear your voice. Open up our eyes to see you move and give us the courage to join in the ways you're inviting us to join your Holy Spirit in this time. We pray this in the powerful, 
name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.